Welcome to the Hack Book Podcast, Episode 3. I'm your host, Michael Hallman. In each episode, we'll dive a little deeper into my new book called Hack, how Christian Hackathon is shifting traditional engagement models and creating an ecosystem for life-transforming technology. We spent the last two episodes looking at some of the innovative technologies, some of the apps that have came out of Code for the Kingdom, and uh, if you haven't listened to those, you definitely want to go back and check those out. Some really, really cool stuff there. Uh, but with this episode, I want to shift for a bit and kind of talk about another element of the Code for the Kingdom movement. Uh, Code for the Kingdom launched in 2013. And for those of you who don't know what it is, uh, it is a roughly 47-hour Christian hackathon. Hackathons are technology events where creatives and entrepreneurs even some pastors come together to um, think through ways, solutions to deal with pressing problems in our world. And so Coffee the Kingdom launched in 2013. And, uh, and from there, I mean, really has achieved some pretty amazing things. Um, over 40 hackathons across the world. In 2015, we were able to pull off the largest organized, the largest faith-inspired hackathon that the world had ever seen. Uh, 15 cities across the world. It was pretty amazing. Uh, since 2013, Code for the Kingdom has activated over 5,000 people have come to these events and worked on technology and worked on projects. Uh, about 500 ideas have come away from this. And we have, in these cities, created uh, meetup groups and, and communities where much of the work continues to happen even um, once the hackathon is over. Um, again, my role, uh, back from episode one, I learned about Code for the King, learned, learned about the very first hackathon they were going to pull off about two weeks before it happened, and um, hopped on a plane and went out to San Francisco to be a part of it, and participated in another one that was a few months later, and eventually moved from the participant seat to the organizer seat and in the organizer seat I just learned so much um, learned a lot I, I wrote down um, much of what's in the book or just notes that I was that I would take after each hackathon and there were a lot of things that intrigued me one of the things that really really fascinated me um, you know with each hackathon uh, were the people uh, it's really really were the people who made these events happen and these man I mean they were incredibly passionate, incredibly talented individuals who, for the most part, and this was really surprising to me, for the most part were relatively inactive in their church, um, yet they were drawn to this hackathon for some reason. Um, and it was just amazing to see just with each hackathon the threads that ran through it. As I was doing research for the book, I spent quite a bit of time um looking at the state of volunteering in American in churches. And one of the stats that I saw said that the of the people who actually volunteer, which is about a quarter of all Americans, um, those individuals are volunteering about 52 hours a year of their time. Yet with this hackathon, I saw that individuals were coming for 47 to 50 hours in a weekend. Right. And and people were staying and, and people were committed and people were often doing um, this multiple times a year. And I just began to kind of ask myself, man, what is it that um, 
we as a church can learn from this? What is it that we can take from this? How is it that this kind of outside um, force agency is um, activating so many people? Um, something that many churches and actually most churches you know, struggle with. And I think there are a couple of things um, that we want to kind of keep in mind. But before we go there, I want to um, turn to the book for a second, because um, this kind of closely mirrors one chapter of the book where I talk about um, the, the profiles of, of people who are in our church. And this was not meant to be all inclusive, but um, I, I think it kind of nails down a pretty good percentage of the people who are in our church. I uh kind of separated everyone into four buckets and those buckets are this first bucket is the people who are trying to see what the Christian thing is about right these are often seekers um, they may not be Christians yet um, these people are coming to church because they're looking for guidance they're looking for, looking for growth they're looking for inspiration um, they're looking for community and fellowship they are looking to um, understand their role in life they're looking for some type of meaning they want to know why they're wired in a particular way they want to know um, how they can make a difference in the world they want to know why they exist and how should they navigate life um, they have all these questions right in there and and so they're kind of coming and and many times churches won't um, activate this group they want they'll neglect this group um, yeah I think this group has so much potential they have so many ideas they have so many thoughts about the way the world is and about the way that things should be and many times we just kind of allow these people to sit on the sidelines we don't want to run a, we don't want to run them off we don't want to um, maybe give them a wrong impression uh, but this is a group that we really want to be mindful um, of. These, this group is really looking to, to get in and get engaged. The second bucket are those who are kind of going through the routine of church, right? And I read this really interesting article um, that Ed Stetzer wrote back in 2014, um, where he kind of uh, framed these individuals as the congregational Christians. And he, he kind of mentioned this group don't really have a deep commitment to the church, but they refer to themselves as Christians because of some loose connection to the church. Like maybe they have a family member there. Maybe this was the church that they got baptized at, or maybe the church that they go to um, for Christmas and Easter. And again, I think this group is is really largely neglected in terms of uh, volunteerism. I think this group, while they may not um, come forward to say that they want to volunteer, I think that's an opportunity to engage this group. And one of the ways that I think we can do that is by creating really exciting opportunities, right? Um, by creating opportunities that allow them to um, kind of form a deep connection with those who are around them, an opportunity that will allow them to see why the opportunity is important and then also kind of see an immediate impact that it's making on somebody's life, right? One of the things that I've discovered is that the people who are in this group that's kind of going through the routine of church very similar to um, that first bucket of individuals who are trying to just kind of see what this Christian thing is about. And many times as they discover how they're wired and why they're wired, um, that kind of whole shape tool that came out of uh, Rick Warren's church, as they kind of discover that, it really opens them up to begin to consider um, volunteering, right? Um, the third group that I talk about in the book are those who were at one point engaged but for some reason they, they burn out. And, and this is 
definitely an issue in a lot of churches, individuals who serve for years and years and years and in many, many ways, but eventually get to a place where, where they burn out. And I think, you know, there are certainly a lot of reasons why people burn out. Um, they don't have adequate help. Um, they have these kind of indefinite time periods to serve where we kind of act in the work in the children's ministry or something of that nature. And they're just supposed to do that until they die. Right. <laughs> um, and people certainly burn out because of that, um, because they never take a break up. They never have an opportunity to just kind of sit in church and just and just kind of worship and just kind of listen and not have to worry about um, something that's not going right in a particular ministry. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things, um, a, a key indicator, a key reason why a lot of burnout happens is because there's no really excitement. There's really no task variety. You know, people, even though they do the same thing each and every week, they're often looking for opportunities to do something else, looking for some variety um, and, and, and serving in the same area in the same way, uh, in the same week, each weekend after week. Uh, can actually can can really do a lot to burn people out, right? And so, um, and so this fourth group, uh, one last group, are those who are, are ready to serve right now, but they haven't been engaged in the right way. These are the people in our churches and our organizations that are ready to serve right now. Um, they're extremely gifted. They're extremely talented. They're ready to use their talents and skills and abilities and spiritual gifts um, to help advance the mission of the church. Um, and this is great. This is what we want. We want these people to do things. But I think we get it wrong. I think we as pastors, as church leaders, as church staff, um, I think we get it wrong in how we frame it. And this is kind of what I saw with Code for the Kingdom and how we frame our opportunities to serve and how we frame these kind of moments to make an impact. And one of the key things that I put in the book, I think it's something that you should definitely um, um, think about and chew on and kind of meditate on. Uh, there's a sentence there where you know, I say the, the important thing as we're thinking about engaging people and, and engaging the people in our church, and we know this is a pretty huge group of people. You know, there is this familiar saying that in most churches, um, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And while I think that's absolutely true, I think we are those who shape the opportunities are partly to blame for that. And in the book, I say this. I, I say, you know, the important thing that we want to do is that we want to ask people um, to something and not just for something. We, we, we want to ask people to something and not just for something. There's a huge difference between these two, right? When we ask people uh, for something, we, we're, 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 we're pretty much asking them to uh, uh, just, just get involved. We're, we're asking them to uh, fill a hole. We're asking them to fill a gap. We're asking them, we're, we're, we're kind of begging them to say, hey, we need help in this ministry. Would you please help us? Please, please, please. Right? That's, that's a for something. But when you ask a person to something, um, you're, you're extending an invitation to be involved in something that's much, much bigger than them. You're, you're, you're extending an invitation for them to become a part of a community. You're extending an invitation for them to, to see a problem and to use their unique uh, giftings and their unique skills and talents to be able to solve that problem, to be able to alleviate that issue. And that's what people are looking for. People are looking for an opportunity to do something that is bigger than them. And so as I, I, so as I think about kind of going back to Code for the Kingdom and the individuals who are there, the people who came, the people who serve, the people who 
gave 47 hours of their weekend after probably just working a 40 or 50 hour job. These individuals who are in churches in all of their cities, in Seattle, in San Francisco, in Orlando, in Austin, um, in all these other places, individuals who are in churches on Sunday, but for the most part are sitting on the sidelines. How do we activate them? How do we, how do we close this 2080 gap and get it maybe closer to 50-50 or even greater than that? I think there are a couple of lessons that, that we learn. And the first lesson is people want to be heard and seen. Right. They, they, they have ideas. And and, and part of the, the the I think the the problem and the issue with our church right now is we have, for the most part, a very top down approach to volunteerism. Um, there are one or two people at the very top who create the opportunities, who see the problems and create opportunities to try to solve those problems. And then we try to plug people into those particular issues, those particular buckets. Uh, okay, hey, we've, we need a children's ministry. We need an outreach ministry. Um, we need an evangelism ministry or whatever it may be. And then we try to put people in those spots. But what I kind of learned, uh, kind of watching Code for the Kingdom, is that perhaps one of the, the more effective way to do this is to present the problem and then allow people to um, figure out on their own how to solve it. Now I know that's scary for a lot of leaders. That's scary for a lot of church, a lot of church pastors because you're so used to having that control. But one of the, I guess, probably foundational principles of Code for the Kingdom was, was was presenting the problem and getting out of the way and allowing individuals who shared similar gifts and similar passions, uh, similar skill sets, um, to come in and say, "Hey, I think this is a way that we can do this." I think that's definitely something that we want to learn. I think another thing that I learned um, kind of watching this movement was these individuals really value relationships with like-minded individuals. You know, for some time, and I know most of us in many of our churches, we um, have these spiritual gift assessments. Um, And for the most part, we use these to figure out how we can help people understand how they're wired, right? And we may even create some opportunities, um, some some ministry opportunities based off of those spiritual gifts. And if you haven't done that, I would certainly encourage you to do that. But I think one of the most powerful things you could do is to get all the people who have one particular gift and get them in a room and give them a series of problems and just get out of the way. You would be amazed to see what would happen. You'd be amazed to see um, the type of solutions and innovations that could come out. This is essentially what, essentially what happened at Code for the Kingdom. This particular event, this hackathon, 47-hour event, it starts on a Friday night. And that Friday night, um, as people gather, we present to them a series of challenges, seven or eight challenges, and some key areas, scripture engagement, prayer, human trafficking, um, homelessness, right? And we would kind of give them an overview of why this is a problem, um, how this problem kind of came into being. What are some of the implications of this problem right now? What are some of the ways that people have tried to solve the issue? And then we allow people to pitch an idea. Um, we allow people to kind of congregate, to kind of self-congregate um, based off of their interests and pitch an idea and work on a project. And it's amazing what happens there. And I wonder, I wonder how our churches might look differently if, if, if just that particular element, of, if, of the, the volunteer element in our church if we if we operated it like a hackathon and not like a traditional Sunday service, could be interesting. The last thing 
and, and this these kind of all tie together is that these individuals, you know, who are sitting on the sidelines, um, they value being able to to innovate. They they value being able to create solutions, right? They don't want to just come in um, and work on the problem that you've solved. They want to be able to also give their input on how to solve the issue. And so I think that's very important as we craft volunteer opportunities. It really kind of forces us to move away from a top-down approach to more a bottom-up approach where people at the bottom are um, creating the opportunities and, and not, not maybe completely, but definitely to some degree creating opportunities uh, for the church. And I think that's one of the um, one, one of the really fascinating things that I learned about Code for the Kingdom. Definitely going to use the, the, the other episodes to talk about more of the technology stuff. I imagine that's why you've tuned in. But I thought this one was really, really important to talk about some of those things. Hey, I want to keep the competition going as always. If you'll join us on Twitter using the hashtag TheHackedBook, we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on this. Or maybe you want to share some challenges that you've had at your church around volunteerism. Or maybe you want to share some things that you've done that worked. I'm sure there are other people who would love to hear what's happening and what's working at your church. Let's keep the conversation going on Twitter at hashtag TheHackedBook. As always, if you have not purchased the book, I want to invite you to do that. It is available on Amazon.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you on the next episode.